but that just goes to show you like how long it takes to get a, a script made, a feature made. And you know, it, you could have a deal on the table and then it just falls through. But yeah, in the middle of 2020, or actually toward the end of 2020, I get a phone call that we've got this young director attached and, and we got a, a, a yes from Josh Dumel. Van Bing Nguyen sold a spec script called Blackout that's now in post-production. She began as a set PA in Austin and worked in production for 10 years before finally getting staffed. We'll talk about why she moved to LA, changed her mindset, and stopped chasing reps. I'm your host, Priscilla Nguyen, and you're listening to New Screenwriters on Breaking In. Van Bing Nguyen is a Vietnamese-American screenwriter. She grew up in Houston and came up as an assistant director in Austin before moving to L.A. While in Austin, she wrote an action film called Blackout that's currently in post-production starring Josh Dumal. In 2019, she placed on the We For She Write Her list, and in 2020, she was selected for the Film Independent Episodic Lab. In 2021, Vun became a staff writer on Blue Bloods. Welcome to the program, Vun. Thanks, Priscilla. Thanks for having me. So first, I want to say that you and I are not related to my knowledge. Not related at all. Yes, to our knowledge. We're probably somewhere down the line by marriage somehow. (laughs) Um, You know how it goes. Yes, because we both have the same last name, Nguyen, but so do 35 million other Vietnamese people in the world. It's like a Smith. Exactly. I think it's more than a Smith. (laughs) So you were born and raised in Houston. How did you end up as an assistant director in Austin? So I'll correct you. I was actually born in Oklahoma. We didn't move. We moved to Houston um, when I was six years old, lived in Boston for a little bit prior Mm. to that. So how did I become an assistant director? So I always knew that I wanted to be in film and TV. I just didn't know how to get in. I was writing at home, but I also was intrigued with wanting to, to know how set worked. Um, in the event that I want to direct or produce, I just wanted to know how set works. And honestly, knowing how set works also really helps with writing, um, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the creative process, but you know the logisticals and all of that, because once you have a movie or a TV show going, like that all helps. But yeah, so I ended up moving to Austin first. Because I knew like they had kind of a smaller film community, mm-hmm. um, whether it's like independent and they were shooting Friday Night Lights around there. I had moved there right after Friday Night Lights. But yeah, I, I got my start out there. I started as a set PA. And then um, I honestly didn't know anything about assistant directors. I kind of fell into that career. I just I wanted to set PA so that I could know how set works. But with how I work and operate, it kind of maneuvered into the AD world and ADs kind of like took me under their wing. And mm-hmm. honestly, it, it's long hours, but I also liked the ability to work on certain projects and then I would have time off to write. So I, I kept with that career because it really, first off, it still allowed me to create other people's uh, work, but also give me time to work on my own. So how long did you work in production in Austin? So in Austin specifically, um, six years. So I was a set PA and then rose to an AD. And then I eventually moved out here. And when I moved out here, I continued to AD, 
Um, because it's not, it's not like I moved out here and I, I got to writing, you know, got writing jobs right away. Like I still Mm -hmm. had the AD. So, so I did, I would have to travel, you know, I'd either travel to New York for work or I traveled to Texas, you know, to work. So I still AD'd all the way until the beginning of 2021, really. So 10 years. So six years in Texas, four years in based out of LA. Yeah. Based out of LA. And you mentioned that one of the perks of working in production was you did have time off between projects and you were using that time to write. So does that mean that even when you were starting as just a set PA, you already had your eye on writing? Oh, yeah. I was already writing even before I even stepped foot onto set. I had already been writing while I was in Houston. So I, so I didn't go to film school, but I spent a lot of time at Barnes and Noble in the film section, kind of immersing myself into, uh, you know, all things uh, film related, um, writing related. Mm -hmm. And then I got my hands on some scripts online and would just like learn and kind of like teach myself and try to study. And I just kept writing. And even if it wasn't good, like I just kept writing in order to like practice. So I was writing like short stories. I would write these scripts that will never see the light of day. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, even when I was peeing, I would write at, at home. So I would write on the weekends. We would work really long hours. So, you know, I, I don't suggest that anybody uh, write <laughs> after working long hours, but <laughs> I, I did find a routine that worked for me. So I would work, I would find a time to write an hour before. I'd go off to set and work for like 14 hours Mm. because I knew like after 14 hours on set, like I would not have energy to write at home, but that was, that was the routine that worked for me. And then I, when people work in production, you know, sometimes you take job after job and you don't give yourself time off. Mm -hmm. And I allowed my, myself to take time off so that I can concentrate on writing. And then I would take, you know, because I always knew production gigs were going to come. So right. if I I was just like, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to take that gig. I'm going to focus on this script, get hmm. this done, and then you know move on to the next um, AD gig. I mean, that wasn't always the case because sometimes jobs kept coming in, and you know finances and were also important. But yeah, uh, you know, I found a, a way for it to work for me. And so, like while I was in Austin, I built a portfolio of material, basically. So I wrote features, I wrote uh, a couple of TV pilots, so that when I came to LA, I was armed with material that I felt good with. Can I ask how many samples that was? Like how many features? How many pilots? Well, I know I had two solid TV pilots. Mm-hmm. I had two solid TV pilots, and like you. Like you said in the bio, like I wrote uh, Blackout. I wrote that while I was in Austin. Granted, it took a long time to get to production. Um, and I had maybe like three or four other like solid features that I actually continue to use today as a sample. So while you were in Austin, you wrote a feature called Blackout that is currently in post-production starring Josh Dumal. This is a spec script that you wrote years ago before you were wrapped, before you moved to LA. That's incredible. How did that happen? You know, I, I wrote that a number of years ago and 
I was slowly trying to like hustle it out, just cold querying emails, producers, managers. I was repped by a manager, just a one-man band, but he's no longer in the industry. But deals kind of went on the table, fell off, and then he and I split up. And then a producer I had met, he reached out to me years later and was just asking like if the script is still available because he's he knows uh, somebody who's interested. So I said sure. And then that production company ended up optioning it. And they had it under option for three years. They just kept re-upping it, re-upping it. And honestly, I just felt like this is probably never going to happen. But, you know, mm. they'll just keep re-upping it. But that just goes to show you, like, how long it takes to get a, a, a script made, a feature made. And, you know, it, you could have a deal on the table and then it just falls through. But, yeah, in the middle of 2020, or actually toward the end of 2020, I get a phone call that we've got this young director attached and and we got a, a, a yes from Josh Dumel. So that's how it happened. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. So you mentioned you had a few feature scripts. Yeah. Why was this the one that you were trying to get made or were you trying to get all of them made? I mean, I definitely am trying to get, you know, other stuff made and the other features too. Mm. But this one was kind of, I knew like it had a mainstream appeal to it, mm-hmm. but also my intention in writing it was also a character driven action thriller. And I knew that it could be done on a budget because I'd mm. set it in a contained hospital. Do you think any of your ADing came into play there? Like your knowledge about production and set? in terms of like budget and what what kind of scripts you wrote that like could be made on a budget? It kind of did, actually. There were certain things that I wrote like action-wise and stunt-wise. Now, granted, when a director takes over and, the, and a stunt coordinator comes in, like everything that's on the page could definitely change. But as I was writing it, I did try to think with a budget level in mind. How were you thinking about your samples? Were you thinking of them as scripts that you wanted to sell and see made into movies or television? Were you thinking about them as primarily samples that you would use just to get jobs or or you were just writing things that were interesting to you as a, as a way to hone your skills and get practice? I always write with the intention that it gets made because mm. I think that makes the best sample. Because if I'm writing something just to get a job, it may not come through on the page as well. And the stories that I told were what's interesting to me. I'm very genre agnostic, actually. But my first few scripts were definitely drama, crime, thriller Hmm. uh, heavy. But for me, it's always about the character and the situation that they're in and how I can connect to it and how I can find a, a new way into that story. If it's just a story that's burning inside me that I want to get out, then I just go ahead and do it and do it to the best of my ability with the hopes that, you know, it does sell. You know, you kind of kind of have that mentality I mean, and, and they make great samples. Eventually, you moved to L.A. When did you move and why? I moved in 2017. I moved with the intention to put more focus into my writing career. Mm-hmm. Um, because it got to a point where I was in the AD career, but not much was happening with my writing. And I kind of hit a ceiling in Austin and I didn't want to get stuck. I didn't want to get stuck in, in the, the AD career. 
not that there's anything wrong with it, but it was just, it wasn't my intention. So I knew like it was at a point that I had to move and all the TV writers rooms are out here. So I knew I had to put more FaceTime out here. And actually there was one query that I did and I actually queried an agent with a TV pilot and I got a message from his assistant wanting to set up a meeting. And I was like, oh, well, I live in Austin. And they thought that I live in LA. Mm -hmm. So I spoke to that agent and he was just like, well, do you plan on moving out here? Not that he was trying to encourage me, but I was like, yeah, I plan I'm, I'm moving out there in May, actually. I just knew my lease was going to be up in May. So, I was like, <laughs> so he was like, okay, hit me up when you're out here. And so at that point, I was like, okay, I'm starting to get some reactions from my TV pilot. This is it. This is the time to go. And so I had set my goal for May. And then I ended up here in LA finally in July of that year, 2017. Mm -hmm. I did get to meet with that agent. I didn't sign with him, but he's still somebody I keep in touch with. But yeah, that's, that, that's, that was the main goal of moving out here. It was to put more focus on my writing career. Like I knew I was still going to have to AD because I have to keep a roof over my head. But to be out here, to take a meeting on a whim and to just, yeah, help with that creative process. At that point, were you thinking, I want to get staffed? Were you thinking, I want to sell more features? What did you see as your goal or at least as some of your next steps? Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what was on my mind. I would take any writing gig. <laughs> but I guess my immediate goal when I first moved out here, because I knew it was going to be a hard process to get staffed mm -hmm. um, because I had no connections, was to find a rep. And so for a minute, I was doing that. But it was like it was a continuation of what I was doing in Austin because I just cold queried people, right? Mm -hmm. But a producer friend of mine who had read my work, he actually gave me a piece of advice and he was just like, don't go chasing. They'll come to you when the time is right. When he actually said that, it kind of clicked with me. And so I shifted my focus and I just concentrated on, on my writing. So what ended up happening was, so I got on this, I was about to say I got on this list, but I guess I should backtrack of how I got on that list. I had coffee with a friend who, like, we kind of knew each other through the Austin film scene. She came from the independent film world, a director, writer, and then she kind of maneuvered to TV. And she and I had mutual friends, and we'd, like, met each other in, in passing before. So I knew that she was living here in L.A. now, so I met up with her for coffee. And she actually asked me, she asked me to send something to her. So I sent it. I didn't think that she would ever read it, you know, um, because a lot of people say, you know, send me things and you never <laughs> hear from them again. And true fact, I never, I didn't actually didn't hear from her. But I think January of the next year, I received an email from the We for She Write Her list. And it was just like, congratulations, your pilot uh, made it on the list. And I was like, what pilot? And how did I get on this? You know, because I knew I knew about this list, but it's an industry nominated list. Oh. And so they told me that that showrunner that I met with, she nominated me and somebody else had read it and then nominated me, too. And I was just like, whoa. So that's how I got on the list. And that's actually what led me to my reps. 
Okay. So continue that story. How did the write her list lead to your reps? I think that made it on deadline. And I don't know if they actually like, if they send the names of the writers out to companies, but I started getting uh, messages. Hmm. So I actually met with a few managers and management companies. And I, I mean, honestly, it just goes to show what my producer friend was saying. He was just like, don't go chasing. Like it's going to come to you when the time is right. And that's what happened. And yeah. And then I met with uh, my managers and I felt really good with them. And so I signed with them and they started getting me into rooms immediately in terms of uh, general meetings with executives. Mm. And I had never done general meetings before. So I was terrified, but I, I, I got the swing of it. And yeah, they repped me. And I mean, they were putting me out for staffing. It was still hard for me to get a staffing job. So it was disheartening to like do all these staffing meetings and still not get staffed. But, you know, I just kept on trucking along. I mean, two years after signing with them and I didn't make any money for them. But, you know, they're very kind and they're like, you know, we believe in you. We really love your work. And then I got blue bloods. How many reps did you meet with before you decided to sign? Did you meet them on a Tuesday and sign with them the next day? Or did you think on it for a couple of weeks? Like, how did that all play out? I think I met with maybe four different companies, Mm -hmm. but I think it, it took a week or two for me to decide. I wanted it to be a fair game and meet Mm -hmm. with everybody. And did you go into this process with the idea that you were going to come out signed or you were just going to see how it went? And if you didn't click, then you were going to let it pass or what? Yeah. I mean, I didn't expect to sign with anybody on the day because, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of like dating, right? You want to go and you want to meet. And and if somebody clicks, then that's who you're going to keep seeing. Yeah. And I think, I think somebody gave me the advice of like, don't sign in the room. Mm-hmm. So I took that to heart and just like didn't sign in a room. You mentioned earlier that you are genre agnostic. Mm-hmm. So my question for you is, how did you explain yourself and your work and your brand or whatever you want to call it to the reps that you were meeting with? That's a good question. Because at that time, when I signed with them, it was a lot more of the drama thriller crime material that I had. But I told them, I told everybody like straight up that that's not all that I am. I focus on character. And if I can connect to it, that's what I want to write. And I think I I just wanted to see the reactions with that. Because I I didn't want to be pigeonholed. Mm-hmm. And I still say that, like any general meetings that I have, I'm sure to let them know because these execs only read one sample from you. So right. when they meet with you, they kind of want to know who you are. And I straight up let them know I am genre agnostic. Like this next thing that I'm writing, I'm writing a romantic comedy next. In 2021, you staffed on your first show, Blue Bloods on CBS. How did you get that job? My reps they'll always hear about whatever shows are looking for staff writers. And they'd heard that they're looking to bring on one new staff writer. So they submitted me. They actually called me on a Friday. They were like, hey, we're going to submit you to Blue Bloods and this other show. And I was like, okay, okay. You know, because at that point, I'm like, I just try not to get excited about things. And then that Monday, I get 
a message through my website and it was just listed blue bloods. And then it was, it was actually the showrunner who I guess looked me up, found my website. I don't know why he didn't go through my reps. I don't know, (laughs) but he, he messaged me through there and he was like, look forward to talking to you. And I'm like, what? I was like out shopping. I was like at Costco or something. And I was like, okay, well, if this is real, because I was like, okay, which of my friends is messing with me? So I, I text my manager. I was like, hey, have you heard anything? And she was like, well, let me check in. And then she calls me and she was like, hey, so he actually really liked your sample and he just wants you to call him. And so I called him and we talked and he was a, he was a huge fan of my sample. And we just got to talking just a little bit. He just wanted to know where I was at, where I was from. And that was that. It was really strange and in a good way, because I was just like, oh, all these other meetings I've had, like I've had to like pitch myself in a way or like talk Mm. about the process of like, you know, where I came from. How did I get into this? And he he just didn't. He he kind of just straight up told me that he really loved my voice and he has been looking to bring a, a new voice onto Blue Bloods. And that was that. How many shows had you gone up for by that time? At that point, I think I've had three showrunner meetings. And a bunch of generals. And a bunch of generals. It was in 2020 that Blackout was greenlit and went into production. Yes. Did that have any effect on your immediate like staffing prospects and or trying to get feature work or like what, if anything, happened after that news? Yeah. So it didn't affect anything on the staffing front. Um, because I don't, I honestly don't think my showrunner even knows about the movie. Uh, (laughs) Probably not. I don't, I have no idea. Uh, He and I've never talked about it, but I will say like at that point, my reps were only pushing me with staffing. And so because I had gotten a deadline article and a movie going into production, they started to shift and open me up to future world because all my general meetings up at that point have been TV. So now it's like I've been meeting on the feature side as well. Looking back, what do you think moved the needle for you the most? So one was reaching out to that director and having coffee with her Mm. because that got me on the list. That led me to my reps who really believe in me and pushed me out there and like got me to do all these meetings. But I guess what more so is important was my mindset. Because it's a very hard business, right? We had to face rejection. Like at one point, I was like, oh man, just facing so much rejection. And I felt that energy, like it was affecting how I was writing. So I had to shift my mindset. Like when things happen, it'll happen. So when I changed that mindset, I guess my, my material was really like changing. Like that that pilot sample that I get meetings with and got me at the job on Blue Bloods, like I just wrote that so quick. You have to just keep creating material and somebody's somebody's going to read it and somebody's going to say yes. Is there anything you wish you had done differently and why did you do it the way you did? I actually don't. I don't regret any moves that I made. I wouldn't do anything differently. I feel like everybody has a different path. And I love the fact that I stayed in Austin for that long and just wrote quietly at home. And one of the reasons why is because that duration in Austin actually allowed me to develop my voice. And I don't know how it would have been if I'd moved 
straight to LA right after Houston. But yeah, it's just, I, I wouldn't do anything differently. Is there anything you were told about writing or Hollywood, like advice or so-called conventional wisdom that now in retrospect, you reject? I think maybe one advice that I remember hearing about, because I would go to like Austin Film Festival. And so I would go to all those panels and some of those writers, very successful writers would say, um, oh, you don't need a manager. But I do, I do feel like, especially when you're starting out, I think a manager is a good fit because agents take on a load of clients. Do you have an agent now? I don't have an agent now, but I don't know, that might change later this year. So we'll see. One other thing, advice that people always say is write what you know. And I kind of reject that. I think it's a yes and no, because I mean, not all of us have been soldiers uh, and... (laughs) Or scientists who's dealt with the deadly virus. You know, I think that you should write what you want to write. But I will say, try to find a way in from your experience, because that could open a perspective that hasn't been done. How do you think your experiences have led to the career you have now? You know, one of the, like I said, like I knew that I wanted to be a storyteller since I was little, probably when I was like six or seven. And that was not only because I had a love of film and TV because of my siblings, because, you know, I watched all the things that I should not have watched uh, with them. But I learned about how my parents escaped uh, Vietnam when I was little. And when my mom told me the story of how they escaped, you know, when you're six or seven and like, I just felt all these emotions and empathy and visualizing it. So I kind of combined that with my love of film and TV. And honestly, I have nothing to complain about in my, my life. Like my parents worked so hard to give us the life that we have. And so I think because of that, I just, I got to go out and pursue what I love and hopefully touch some lives too. On that note, it has been a pleasure to talk with you, Vaughn. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Priscilla. This is fun. That was Vaughn Bing Nguyen, who staffed in 2021. Find her on Twitter at VunB underscore Nguyen or visit her website at VunBNguyen.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Pris underscore Nguyen or go to NewScreenwritersPodcast.com. If you loved this interview, please give us a five-star review. And if your friends would love it, please share it with them. Until next time, I'm Priscilla Nguyen, and you've been listening to New Screenwriters on Breaking In.